Hi, this is Mark. I'm one of the senior pastors from Hope Church Malmesbury. I want to personally thank you for downloading or listening online to this sermon cast from Hope Church. We, we share these messages because they really spoke to us. We value their, their content and uh, the anointing that's upon them. And I pray that they bring a fresh revelation of God's love for you today. And if you're able to support the work of Hope Church and the cost of sharing these messages online, then you can go to our website, www.thehope.church give and follow the instructions on that page. And if you're every mum's on a Sunday morning, you will always receive a very warm welcome at Hope Church. And now, let's join today's message. Good morning. I'm so glad you could join with us this morning. Let's pray as we enter God's word. Father God, may your word go forth and accomplish all that it is sent out to do. Lord, I pray that we have receiving hearts and minds and that we emerge from the message today, Lord God, uh, changed in the way you want us to be changed, uh, refreshed and renewed in Jesus' name. Amen. So, today, we continue our journey back through time, through the ancestors of Jesus, as listed in Luke chapter 3. And today, we've reached Abraham. You can find the stories of Abraham in Genesis chapters 11 to 25, and that's a lot of chapters, though it actually doesn't take very long to read. So please go ahead and enjoy them all this week. I will today, of course, just take snippets of moments from his life to help us to continue to think through our overarching theme for this sermon series, the promise and the purpose. Now, speaking of promises, Abraham received three promises from God. He's promised that he will be the father of multitudes. Nations will come from him. He's promised the land of Canaan for his descendants. And he is promised that through his seed, all the world would be blessed. That's Jesus So, let's take a closer look at the man God chose to give such an awesome amount of promises to. When we first encounter Abraham in Genesis chapter 11, his name is Abram. This is what we hear. Genesis 11, 27 to 30. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. So the first thing to know about Abraham is that he is a Gentile. At this time, there is no such thing as God's people. There are no Hebrews or Israelites yet. He is the beginning of all of that. And he is born in Ur of the Chaldeans. To help you put this into context, Chaldea is an ancient country that would in the future be enveloped into Babylonia. And the Bible is full of stories about trouble from Babylon. But just to put it a bit more into a modern context for you, 
ancient Babylon is modern-day Iraq. Specifically, Chaldea was where southern Iraq now is. And the Chaldeans were known for astrology and witchcraft. This is Abram's homeland. Yet God chose Abram from Chaldea to be the foundation of his nation and promises. So the first point I want to draw from this story today is this. No matter what your history, no matter where you have been before, no matter what belief systems you were brought up with, God wants you to be his man or his woman. Yes, you. And I can say this with a lot of confidence because you are watching this right now and not by accident, my friend. No, you didn't stumble here by accident today. God led you here for such a time as this because he wants you to realise today that your past does not have the power to influence your future. If you decide to follow God's leading, your past can be completely left behind. That's why it's called past, you know, no matter how dark or evil it seems. You know, one of the lies the devil likes to sow in our minds is that we started out too bad to be used by God for his purposes. But the devil is called the father of lies. And the idea that you can be too bad for redemption is a blatant lie. Remember what I said a few weeks ago, the last time I preached, Romans 3 verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, there's no one that makes the grade. You cannot be too bad because we all start out too bad. And falling short is falling short. It really doesn't matter how far short you fall. An all-powerful, almighty God is not trembling because you dabbled in witchcraft or astrology. He's not impressed by your wicker status or dark arts accomplishments. But today, he calls you out of it all. And if you follow his call, he sets you completely free. I'm speaking to someone watching today. You are feeling called by God right now. These words are piercing your heart and mind in a strange and significant way. Listen. The minute you turn your life over to Jesus Christ, those dark influences have no power over you any longer. John 8 verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The darkness of your past is extinguished in the light of Jesus. You may be thinking, well, I've never been involved in the dark arts, but the Bible says that rebellion is comparable to witchcraft. 1 Samuel 15 verse 23 says, for rebellion is like the sin of divination. This is because at the heart of rebellion is a willful choice to be led by another spirit. It is choosing to do the work of the enemy in direct opposition to God's will. 
that rising rumbling in your mind and heart that make you feel like doing something ungodly <laughs> is rebellion and does not come from God. You know, the scripture goes on to say in 1 Samuel 15 verse 24, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. The word arrogance that's used here is sometimes translated as stubbornness. This is all about power, guys. Witchcraft, rebellion, stubbornness, arrogance. It's all about keeping some feeling of power. The crazy thing is that actually when you do submit everything to God, only then will you become truly powerful by his spirit living in you. So, a rebellious spirit must also be left behind to follow God's call on your life. Jesus' death on the cross took away all our rebellion and sin that could separate us from the fullness of God. Isaiah 53 verses 5 to 6 says, He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Through the cross, Jesus took away our sin and gave us the right to be called children of God. John 1 verses 12 to 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that's why we call it being born again. And when you give your life to Jesus, you become one of his disciples, like these 72 that we read about in Luke 10, verse 17 to 20. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus gives us, gives you, sorry, and us, me, the power and authority to silence those demons ourselves. This is what he said in verse 18. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. And Jesus explains what's even better than that power over the demonic realm. In verse 20, he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You know, your name is written, means that your place in heaven is reserved and paid for because you belong to Jesus. The moment you come into agreement with Jesus's blood poured out at Calvary, it's a done deal. Signed, sealed and delivered. Revelation 12 verse 9 to 11 says this, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now, 
the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb, that's Jesus on the cross. As Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It is complete. Today, you can be free. No more shackles on my feet. The devil's got no hold on me. Jesus' blood has set me free. And John 8 verse 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So if you want to respond right now, and come into agreement with Jesus' death and resurrection to free you from Satan's power. Let's not wait. Let's not do it at the end of the sermon. Let's do it now. Pray this with me now. Almighty God, I respond to your call on me today. I renounce my rebellion and in any involvement in the dark arts. Today I turn completely away from witchcraft, astrology, and every influence of the devil. I put my faith in Jesus Christ, whose death on the cross and resurrection saves me from the grasp of the evil one. I submit every thought and temptation to Jesus Christ and declare him to be my Lord and Saviour. Great is your faithfulness to me, O God my Father. I accept your amazing grace to save a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. I belong to Jesus, and I am saved, delivered, and healed of my past. I leave it all behind, and ask you, mighty God, for your Holy Spirit to come dwell within me. Fill me, change my heart, guide me and help me live out my purposes for you forevermore. Amen. Amen means you come into agreement with that which went before. Amen. God called Abram out of Chaldea and took him on a journey to discover every promise God wanted him to have. Interestingly, actually, it was Abraham's father that started that journey. Let's read it. Genesis 11 verse 31. Terah took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Yes, there's a lot of Harans in that story. But it's fascinating to me that Terah, Abram's father, set out with the purpose to go to Canaan, which would be the promised land. But you see, Terah never gets there. On the journey, he settles. In fact, the Bible records that Terah stays in Haran until he dies. Terah never goes to Canaan. Now, I can't help but wonder 
with Terra being Abraham's father, could he have received the promises of the future descendants' promised land? We don't know. Because he never got there. He settled for less. So that brings me to teaching point number two. Guys, don't stay somewhere you should be passing through. Have you settled for less? Maybe before the pandemic you had a fire burning in your heart and you had a purpose and a calling that you were about to pursue. But COVID slowed everything down or perhaps even stopped you. And life has now changed so much and that initial inspiration is disappearing away like a cloud of smoke into the clouds. Please, don't settle and miss out. Get back up and start your journey again. You know, it's never too late to get going again. Which brings me to teaching point number three. Abraham was 75 years old before anything significant happened to him. Genesis 12 verses 1 to 4 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. (sighs) The world gives us a use-by date, but God does not. You are never too old to do something significant for God. You know, it's not too late to change careers, to change homelands, to change religion. It's not too late to respond to a call God has placed on your life. It's not too late to pursue a purpose that God has signalled to you. Stop hiding behind your age. You are not too old. It is not too late. In fact, newsflash, there's no retirement plan in God's kingdom. You do not get to retire from God's ministry on earth. Not until you go to heaven. Please go read the story of Abraham and his wife Sarai because it's quite interesting to me how old God lets them get before the promises come to life in them. Genesis 12 verse 5 to 7 says, When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Moreh. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Right here, just as Abram has just reached the land of Canaan, God makes that promise. You know, the promise, the promise to give this land to his descendants. That's why we call it the promised land. That promised land, the promised land that Joshua takes way later. Do you know, it took about half a millennium for that promise to come to pass. In fact, 
God clarifies that it will take all that time later in Genesis when he again confirms this same promise with Abraham. This is what it says, Genesis 15, verse 13 to 14. Then the Lord said to Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Well, that's speaking of the Exodus. But the other interesting thing is that this promise is over Abraham's offspring. Yet we already know that his wife Sarai is barren. Because right when we first heard of Abraham, the scripture records in Genesis 11 verse 30 that Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now, I don't know if you've noticed... But if you follow the stories of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs of the Israelite nation, each of their wives had trouble conceiving a child. Now, the most, they seem the most unlikely lineup, right, for bringing forth a nation. If you or I wanted to start a nation, we would choose the most fertile men and women to make that happen. Yet these three patriarchs, all had barren wives. Sarah, Rebecca and Rachel all had trouble conceiving children. And I think this is significant. Now I suggest two reasons for this. Reason number one, perhaps Satan was making the women barren to try to thwart God's plan for a nation to come from this family line. Which leads us anyway to reason two. The inability to conceive naturally in each of these women only shines a greater glory on God when the babies of the promise are conceived and born to live out their part in the promise. You know, as Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, recognised, and Elevation Church help us sing, God takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good. So, Teaching point number four, physical difficulty does not mean that the enemy is winning. You know, too many times we judge things from our perspective and we give up too soon. We all have a natural desire to have everything perfect and right. And if it's not right, if something's wrong, we think God's not in it. But you know, I, I say this in almost every sermon I preach. Difficulty is part of life. And that does not mean you've been abandoned by God, nor that you have made a mistake. Bart G, who lives with significant physical challenges, says there's another word for difficult. Do you know what it is? Possible. It's another word for difficult is possible. And Jesus says in Matthew 19, verse 26, with God, all things are possible. You know, nothing can stand against the power of our God. He will see through his purposes and he always keeps his promises. So that brings us to teaching point number five. You might feel you once received a clear promise from God. And you've been getting frustrated because it just doesn't seem to be coming about. God is not in a hurry. God 
does not march to your timing. God does not see age as a barrier. God does not do things the way we would. But you know, this does not mean that promise isn't yours. It just means you have to wait and believe. Genesis 15 verse 5 to 6 records this, and God brought Abram outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. You know, Abram is made righteous through faith. At the start of this message, I said that God gave Abram three promises. Well, do you realise Abraham never get, got to see any of those promises fulfilled? He didn't get to see even one of them fully fulfilled. Yet, we now can look back and we see that every one of those promises did indeed come true because God never fails. Now, Abraham and Sarai didn't understand this at first, bless them. But it does truly amaze me how long God made this already old couple have to wait for a child. You know, here's a bit of a snapshot of a timeline for you. At the age of 75, 75, Abraham was called to go to Canaan and promised offspring. Several years passed by, including a stay in Egypt and a battle with some local kings. Then, in Genesis 15, God confirms his promise of offspring to Abram. This is what it says in verses 3 to 4. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. In verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, Your very own son shall be your heir. Remember, this couple were no spring chickens when they set out childless. Yet, we see that still, after 10 years of living in Canaan, there is still no sign of that promised child. And I think this frustration broke Abram's wife. Genesis 16 verse 3 says, So, after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. Well, that started a whole load of trouble. <laughs> but it's so hard to wait and believe. When time passes and you're just getting older, it's so hard. The Bible is even clear that Sarah's periods had stopped. That's the sign of being fertile, right? She was most certainly past it. She was past childbearing age. It's so hard to wait and believe when the physical doesn't match the promise. Yet God still had a plan to bring about the actual child of the promise, Isaac, to Sarah and Abraham. His timing is not our timing. And he is not moved by our frustration. You know, it is faith that moves God's heart, not impatience. Genesis 16 verse 16 records Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar brought Ishmael to him. And Sarai and Abraham continue to grow older, but God is not in a hurry. Then at last, 
This is what happens. Genesis 17 verses 1 to 5. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Well, then God gives some instructions about circumcision as a permanent sign of the covenant God is making with Abraham and his offspring. And then he continues with that promise of their future child. Genesis 17 verse 15 to 17. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is, 19, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Abraham laughed. And later, we read that Sarah laughed. Because the prospect of giving birth so late in life, and definitely physically past it, seemed so unlikely. But God is the original unlikely lad. He is the God of unlikely. You know, that's what a miracle is. It's the unlikely or the impossible actually happening. Abraham and Sarah laughed because it seemed so impossible. But the fact is, that is exactly what God did. Genesis 21, verse 5 to 6. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. You know, the name Isaac means laughter. God doesn't mind if we think his ways are funny. He just wants us to know that his ways are perfect. And his timing is always right on time. Do you realise this? Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for the promise of a child to come to be. Waiting is not punishment or learning with any understandable reason. Sometimes it is just a part of life. You see, we do not have all the information. God knows what we don't and we have to trust him. You know, yes, waiting tests our faith sometimes. But, you know, as I was writing this message, I felt God impress upon my heart that that isn't always the reason for a wait. You know, God is not reasonable. Reasonable. We cannot learn or grasp God with that human concept. Sometimes we have to wait just because he hasn't given us the fullness of the promise yet. That's it. No bigger reason. And you know what? We can laugh while we wait. 
and we can wait with faith and we can expect with full confidence because God has shown throughout time that he always keeps his promises in his timing which is always on time every time. Abraham lived at least 400 years before God gave the law to Moses. He lived and acted by faith and his faith was accredited to him as righteousness. And now we live under grace, not under that law, free of rules and ritual, free to choose to live and act by faith like him. And it is our faith that makes us righteous too. Grace is God's undeserved favour poured out on us because of what Jesus did at the cross. Faith and grace go together, just like fear and unbelief go together. God's grace gives you all that you need whilst you wait for the fullness of his promise and purpose to work out in your life. So we come to teaching point number six. Waiting and believing is the very best that you can do. Galatians 3 verse 5 to 9 says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. There's a Sunday school song about Father Abraham. It says, Father Abraham has many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. This is true because we are joined to him through our faith in his seed, Jesus Christ. And I want to give you a quick tip before I finish today. Waiting in faith is made easier by speaking the truth of who God is over our lives. You know, a lot of the songs that we play before the service on a Sunday or we sing during the service or the one after the service, are declaring amazing truth that will build us up. They will strengthen our soul from the inside out. So use those tools to build your spirit man up. The songs are just quoting scripture, but sometimes we capture a song a lot easier and we can turn it back out again. Here are some of the things you can lift today. Starting with the song called Evidence by Josh Baldwin. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. I see your promises in fulfilment all over my life. You don't see them? Well, sing them anyway. This is how your eyes will be open to see them. And then how about quoting the worship song Waymaker by Leland? Jesus you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. 
Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. Jesus, you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You know, as a human being, we know that if we lift gradually heavier and heavier weights, we'll strengthen our muscles. It's the same in the spiritual realm. The truth of who God is or his promises over you can act as a weight that you can lift. And the more you lift these truths, the stronger you become spiritually. So hold these truths up over your head. Speak them, sing them, agree with them and watch yourself grow fully into the strong child of God that you truly are. Through our faith in Jesus, we become part of Abraham's promise. We are children of God and as such, we are children of the promises. And that is teaching point number seven and my last teaching point. Through our faith in Jesus, we become part of God's family. We are chosen, beloved, blessed children of God. You are chosen, beloved, blessed child of God. Receive it. Remember John 1 verse 12, Jesus said, but to all who did receive, I mean, sorry, John said, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Galatians 3 verse 26 to 29 says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. You know, whether you joined the family earlier this morning, or have been walking with Jesus for decades, I want to encourage you with the teaching points God took me to today in the story of Abraham. Here's a reminder of those seven points. No matter what your past holds, respond to God's call and leave your past behind. Number two, don't settle for achieving less than the fullness of your purpose. Number three, you are never too old to do something significant for God. Number four, physical difficulty does not mean the enemy is winning. And number five, a time of waiting does not mean that God's promises are untrue. Number six, wait and believe because God always keeps his promises. Number seven, you are a child of God. So rejoice and declare and live out that truth. Romans 8 verse 14 to 17 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That means Daddy. We cry Daddy to God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs 
with Christ. So now, go live as children of God. Laugh. Wait. Believe. Trust his timing. And follow him wherever he leads you. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that we are your children, children of your promise. As your children, we are each always on your mind, not forgotten, not passed over, but always loved and secure. Holy Spirit, please minister to each heart that needs a refreshing revelation of your love for them today. Lord, I thank you for your call on each of us. And we thank you for your perfect timing in the release of every victory and promise fulfilled in our lives. Help us turn our frustrations back to faith and to laugh as we trust in your miraculous, unexplainable, but always perfect ways. And I pray that by your grace, Jesus Christ, we will wait well and may we enjoy and live out the fullness of every promise and purpose you have for us, individually and corporately, as your people here on earth for such a time as this. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. God bless you.